My name is Andrew Waterman, and welcome to the Chisholm Trail Academy Creative Writing Podcast. I'll be sharing my own short story titled The Midnight Fog. If you like my story, please feel free to like, share, or leave a comment. It was a foggy night. Almost too foggy. Me and my boyfriend were on our way home from a party. It was late. Nobody was on the roads. But maybe that wasn't the only reason. I'm dropping him off at his house, and he steps out of the car and closes the door. I watch him as he walks up the driveway, and the next thing I know, he starts grabbing his throat. And even through the car, I can hear him gasping for air, unable to scream for help. He falls over and rolls down the driveway. I hear a thud. He hit my tires. I scream as loud as I possibly can. Nobody could hear me in my car, as if I was underwater. I drive away, tears down my face, scared to move. I pulled up at my house and I didn't want to get out of the car. I turned on the radio to calm me down. Then I heard a news broadcast. Stay inside. Close your doors. Close the windows. Don't breathe in the fog. It's toxic. Killing anyone who breathes it in. Don't leave your house until told otherwise, it said. I was frozen with fear and I didn't know what to do. Then I fell asleep, crying. Bam! I woke up suddenly, not prepared for what I was going to have to deal with next. But then I realized it was just a dead bird. What am I saying? Just a dead bird? What is happening out there? As for what I can see through my car window, there's still fog, but not as much as there was the night before. The sun had just started coming up, so I sat there watching every slight move it made upward. I noticed as the sun gets higher and higher, the fog is being lifted with it. Soon enough, the sun is fully out and the fog is gone. Without even thinking, I open my car door and run. I make it to my house door and it's locked. I knocked repeatedly and loudly, making sure that I could be heard. Nothing was happening to me. It was about a minute until my mom answered the door with a mask over her face. Serena! Quickly, she grabbed my arm and pulled me into the house, slamming the door behind me. She put the mask down. Where have you been? Are you okay? What did you see? Why didn't you come home earlier? She asked with a frantic voice. I was dropping Finn off at home. We were at a party. There was so much fog when I got to his house. He walked up his driveway and then died within 20 seconds of getting out of the car, and I watched it all happen. I drove home and fell asleep in my car. My voice trembles as I tell the story. My mom grabs me and hugs me, making sure that I'm okay. She walks me into the living room and onto the sofa, where I sit crying. I go over everything that just happened in my head. I didn't even notice that the TV was on. The news. I focused fully on it trying to learn everything that I could about what was happening, but they knew nothing, besides the fact that it was killing anything that breathed. Where's dad, I ask, scared to hear what the answer might be. He he was working late and he heard the news broadcast, so he slept there, she answers. I sigh in relief. He's working late again, I ask. He got this fancy job that made us move halfway across the country about a year ago. He refuses to talk about his work. He's a scientist. He probably just doesn't want to bore us with sciencey stuff. He worked late almost every night for two months. Yes, but fortunately he did, or who knows what would have happened to him. My mom says with worry. It's early still. You should go try to get some sleep. You had a rough night, my mom says kindly, the smile on her face almost making me forget about what had just happened. As I lay down on my bed trying to sleep, I think about what just happened ten minutes before. Why didn't I die when I came out of my car? I ask myself. Why did the fog lift with the sun? I couldn't sleep not knowing what could happen when I woke up. I get up and reach for my phone off of the nightstand. I googled a place where I can get information on what's going on. 
It didn't take a long time for me to find it. I'm sure that they are as confused as everybody else. I quickly called in, telling them my story and, the answer, and answering all the questions they had. Thank you for giving us this information. It will be very useful. If you have any more information, please call back this number. The lady on the phone says, Of course. Thank you. Bye. I say hang up the phone. I lay back down and try to sleep, and then it hit me. It's only out at night, I think in my head. It's only out at night. I yell, running downstairs. My mom looks at me with a strange look on her face. The fog, mom, the fog. It only comes out after sundown, I shout. When I was going to the party, there was no fog. And that was when there was still light out. When I left the party with Finn, there was fog. When I woke up this morning, the fog was being lifted with the sun, disappearing, and I guarantee that it'll be out tonight as soon as the sun goes down. I take a deep breath after going through all the information really fast. I'll call the hotline, Mom says, running to the phone. It's been two days. I was right about the fog. It only comes out at night. It isn't completely unbearable, but it is an inconvenience. Lots of people are worried that it's going to start coming around during the day. Everyone's preparing for the unexpected, leaving grocery stores mostly unstocked. My family's stocking up too, just not as greedily as everybody else. I can't sleep with my window open anymore, which I've been doing for three years. It's kind of hard to break that habit, but I don't have a choice. All the schools have been closed due to the fog. Nobody knows when we're going to start up again. There have been 27,000 deaths across the world in two days. The news calls it a global pandemic. There are some people that are immune to the fog, but not many. I wake up the next morning right when the sun is up and the fog is completely lifted. I open my window and suck in the fresh air. It's the third day since the deadly fog started coming out. I got up and started working on school. Since the schools don't know how long we're going to be closed, they've been doing online school until they figure everything out. Personally, I don't really understand why we're doing online schooling since the fog doesn't even come out till the sun goes down. By the time I finished my work, it was noon, and I went down into the kitchen to help my mom with lunch. Over these three days, we've been making food to keep us busy, so we don't get too bored. Today for lunch, we were just going to have sandwiches. We usually watch Netflix show as a family during lunch. Lately, we've been really obsessed with this TV show called The 100. We're only on season two, but as we were watching it, I started noticing something that was kind of like what was happening to us now. The people in the show are in a battle with these people that live in a mountain. Their only defense mechanism to the outside of the mountain is this acid fog that they made and can unleash any time that they want, killing anyone that breathes it in. I start thinking about what's happening to us. It's kind of weird. Because why is this gas just randomly... Because why is this fog just randomly coming out at night? It just doesn't make any sense. Don't you find it odd that the fog only comes out at night? I say to my parents. Yeah, but nobody has an explanation. They're all probably thinking the same exact thing. I nod my head. I start thinking about all of the possibilities that it could be, but the only one that actually makes sense is that it's the government. Okay. Listen to my theory. Just hear me out, I say to my parents. What if it's the government? Just like in the show we're watching, these people send out the fog, killing anybody that breathes it in. They say there's only a thousand people in this world that they know of that are immune to the fog. What if they're doing this on purpose just so that the immune are the only ones left on earth? They stare at me with a confused expression on their face. But why would the government do that? It just makes no sense. It's just storytelling, my dad says. I haven't figured that part out yet, but it has to be a good enough reason to wipe out most of the human race. I say, this isn't the first time that most of the world's population has been wiped out, just trying to get a fresh start. 
all of the bad so that there can be something new and good, my mom says. I can see that she's starting to agree with what I'm saying. It can't be true. Those types of things only happen in movies. The government doesn't actually do stuff like that, says Dad. But Dad, there's no other explanation for all of this fog. It has to be true, I say. That's enough. I don't want to hear any more of this nonsense. The government isn't doing anything. If I hear one more word about it, I'm locking you in your room, my dad yells. Scaring me, but it's not convincing enough. My dad rarely yells at me, so I know that he's really serious about this, which doesn't really make any sense, because he's always open to all of the theories that I tell him about everyday things. I've always had a really big imagination, but something just seems off. It's around five o'clock. I go up to my room and lay on my bed. Without trying, I fall asleep. When I open my eyes, all I see is dark. I got up and realized that I slept for a couple hours. Then I noticed that my window is still open. Frantically, I run and close my window, trying not to breathe. I quickly run downstairs. Slow down, Mom says to me. I start to explain everything that had just happened. She starts freaking out. The fog was now exposed to the inside of her house, and we have nowhere to go. Just calm down, my dad says. Calm down? How are we supposed to calm down when we could all die, I say. We aren't going to die. We're safe, he says. How are we safe? We're exposed, my mom says. We're all immune. That makes no sense. How do we know that, I ask. It's time I tell you guys the truth about where I work, dad says. We sit down on the couch and wait for him to tell us. I work for the government, he says. I thought you were a scientist, I say. I am a scientist. The government has me doing a lot of research and trials, he says. What kind of research, Mom asks. Like something that makes you immune to the fog, he says. Serena, you were right about the fog. It's the government. He looks at me apologetically. So you made the fog? You made the thing that's killing everyone, I say angrily. No, no, that wasn't me. I just made the antidote for it. Only select people around the world get it, and they don't even know that they have it. They told me if I made it, then they would give it to me and my family, he says. But why are they using the fog anyways? What's their goal, Mom asks. The world is overpopulated. There's almost 8 billion people, and Earth is estimated to only support 4 to 9 billion people. It raised a lot of concern, so they asked another scientist to make the fog, he says. Why didn't they just ask you, I said. Because they knew that I wouldn't. It's genocide. By the end of all this, there's going to be 1 billion people left. They're killing nearly 7 billion people, he says. When is all of this going to be over, Mom asks. In a month, they will stop putting out the fog. But even if someone not immune had no contact with the fog, there's still traces of it on everything outside. It gets in houses through air vents too, but it's unnoticeable. He says while getting out of his chair, starting to walk away. It's getting late, so I go out to my room and fall asleep. The next morning, I wake up determined. I go downstairs to my dad and ask to go to work with him. Next thing I know, I'm in the parking lot of a weird building. It looked like nobody had been in it for 10 years. My dad and I walked through the front door. The doors close behind us like elevator doors. Then I realize that it is an elevator, and we start going down. When the door opens up again, you could tell we were in a completely different place. It was huge. Everything was white and bright, and it all seemed so techy. It didn't take me a very long time to realize that my dad was the boss of this place. He walked me to his office, and we sat down. I noticed a door in the middle of his office walls. What does that door lead to? I ask. There's two different lab areas down here. I'm in charge of this one, and the other one is led by Dr. Smith, the scientist who created the fog. This is the only door connecting us. They have another building elevator, Dad explains. Wait. 
So the thing that sends out fog every night is in there? I ask. Dad nods his head. Someone in a white hazmat suit walks in from the door that we walked through. Hold on, Serena, I'll be right back. Dad says, getting out of his chair and walking out, closing the door behind him. I wander around his huge office looking at all the things he has. Then I get to the door. At first I hesitate, but then I open the door and walk through it. I walk into an office that looks similar to my dad's, but there's nobody in it. Then I go to the door that goes into their lab. It looks exactly like the other one, except there's a huge... When I say huge, I mean gigantic tube in the middle of it. It looks like metal, and there's yellow caution signs all over it. I get closer to it and realize that it's the fog. And strangely, there's nobody guarding it. There's nobody even in this lab, which is weird. What if I can get rid of the fog? Maybe there's a button or a way to empty it. I start looking around everywhere. I find papers with the formula for the fog, and I stick it in my back pocket. Who knows, it might help stop this thing. I search for a couple more minutes, and then I finally find something. Before I can even figure it out, my dad walks through the office door, yelling at me to get back. I walk through all the doors and sit back in my seat. What do you think you're doing? He says angrily. I just wanted to see it. Dad, you're like 20 feet away from the thing killing almost 7 billion people. Why aren't you doing anything to stop it? I ask, confused. Because you know what would happen to me? To the guys? The government would take us away and do who knows what to us. People in these labs have tried to stop it. They always get stopped, and then never seen again. So you have to stay away from it. Do you understand me? He says. Yeah, Dad, I get it, I say. He walks out of the room, and I pull the paper from my back pocket. I recognize almost everything on it except for one. Hydrocolectic acid. I've never heard of it before. My dad walks back into the room and notices the paper I have. Serena, you have to put that back, he says. Dad, what's hydrocolectic acid? I ask curiously. They made it in the lab a while ago. The guy that created it died about two years ago. Nobody ever figured out how to make it. Lots of people have tried and gave up, he says. Wait, then how is it an ingredient for the fog if nobody can make it, I ask. Hydrocolectic acid is regenerative, meaning that once the test tube of this stuff is almost gone, it immediately refills again, he says. How is that even possible, I ask. It's not. That's why nobody can figure out how to make it. The only way you can destroy it is with fire. The guy who made it found that out when his workstation caught on fire, burning everything and all of the hydrocolectic acid, except for the one that he had being tested in another station, Dad says. He pulls out some paper from his desk. He pulls out some paper from his desk and starts writing stuff. I look closely and realize that it's a grocery list. We need ketchup too, I say. Dad laughs and writes it down. Another guy in a hazmat suit comes in and my dad gets up and leaves. I start thinking and I realize that since the hydrocolectic acid can be destroyed and not remade, then the fog could be completely destroyed and can never get out again. Go and look at the list. Yeah, it's just a normal grocery list. Nothing science about it. Then I go back to the door that leads to the other office and then I walk into the other lab. There's no way that I can just let 7 billion people die knowing that I can do something about it. The weird thing is that I don't see any security cameras anywhere. For some high-tech lab, that's kind of stupid. It gets mixed together for the fog is in the big machine already. I search the lab and I find a striker. I also find a thing of gasoline probably used for one of the experiments. I put the gasoline all around and on the big tube, and then take the striker and try to light it up. It takes me a while to get the striker to start working right, but eventually I got it. Quickly, the gasoline starts lighting up. 
I put all the stuff back where I found it and run back through the office, closing the door and sitting back in my seat. Now I hear a big bang, and my dad comes running into the office and asks me what happened. It's from the other room, I say. My dad runs through the doors and goes to see what's going on. He notices the fire and knows that there's nothing that he can do to stop it. Nor does he really want to. He runs back to the office, closing the doors. Did you do that? He yells. Legally, I'm not going to say anything. I say as a joke, but I know he's not laughing. Then an alarm starts going off. Come on, we have to get out, he says. He grabs a couple things and we run out of the office and into the main lab area. That's the fire alarm. Everyone drop what you're doing and quickly get into the elevator. My dad yells to all the other scientists. Getting on an elevator while there's a fire isn't the smartest thing to do, but obviously there isn't any other choice because we're really far beneath the surface. Everyone piles into the elevator and we start going up. We reach the level we reach the level we get out on, but the doors won't open. It's probably a fire safety thing they do. A couple of the men start trying to open the doors while everyone else panics. Then they get the doors open and everyone rushes out to their cars. A bunch of random black cars start rolling into the parking lot. People come out in suits and tell everyone to leave. The police are right behind them and quickly they form a blockade around the area of buildings. Dad get in our car and drive off like everyone else. And then we start to feel the car shaking. I turn around and you can see the building collapsing into the ground. We start driving faster and faster. Everything stops. We start driving faster and faster. Everything stops. And everyone seems to be fine. Except everything down there was destroyed. Meaning that they aren't going to even be able to see that this wasn't an accident. A couple days later, everything is back to normal. Everyone knows that the fog is no longer out but everyone is still so cautious because they don't know that it was man-made fog. Schools are planning on starting up in two weeks just to be careful, and basically everything is going back to the way it used to be before all this happened. Lots of people died, though. It was only going on for about a week or so, but at least a billion people had passed away. I'm still grieving for Finn. He never should have died that way. None of these people should have. The only good coming out of this is that the population isn't as overcrowded as it was before. My dad told me that they weren't going to be making any more fog. Not that they really could if they wanted to, but they aren't going to be doing anything anytime soon. I still can't believe that I was the one to save at least six billion people. Thank you for listening to this episode of CTA Creative Writing. The CTA Creative Writing Podcast is a production of the Chisholm Trail Academy Fine Arts Department. This episode's work was titled The Midnight Fog, and it was written and produced by Andrea Waterman. If you like what you heard, please feel free to like, share, and leave a comment.